Welcome to the DPM podcast, where we go beyond theory to give expert PM advice for leading better digital projects. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Aston, founder of the Digital Project Manager. Now, many of us PMs fear going on vacation because, well, we're worried that our projects are going to go about as far south as our vacations. But going on vacation is a good thing to do, right? And, it, well, it is if you've been able to hand over your projects properly. If you've not been able to do a good project handover, well, you're likely to come back to a very angry teammate who's been looking after your project and a project that's behind schedule probably about as much as the time that you were away. So how can we take vacations and not stress ourselves out or our teammates out in the process? All will be revealed in today's podcast as we talk about happy holidays for everyone. This podcast is brought to you by Clarison, the leader in enterprise project and portfolio management software. Visit clarison.com to learn more. Now, today I'm talking with Mackenzie Dysart, a senior PM at Eccentric Arts. She's a PMP, a CSM certified project manager, and she interestingly actually chose to be a PM as a career path. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. She's worked on all kinds of projects, digital print app. And so she's also got experience in client and agency side. So we're looking forward to talking to Mackenzie. Hello, Mackenzie. Hello. <laughs> and it, thanks for coming on the show today. Now, one of, I met Mackenzie at the DPM summit back in September and uh, I thought she's, she sounded like a smart girl with lots of interesting things to say. <laughs> so I uh, asked her to write a post for us. And actually, uh, Mackenzie is very active on Twitter. And uh, one of the things that I noticed Mackenzie write <laughs> on Twitter during the DPM summit is that she was going to challenge herself to have more regular workouts. So I thought it'd be good to have a bit of live accountability. Have you been doing your regular workouts, Mackenzie? No. <laughs> but I have, um, I did actually set up for some sports, which I find holds me a lot more accountable because I've got a team depending on me. Oh. Um, so now I'm playing volleyball and soccer weekly. So at least then I'm out, I'm doing something, it's physical, I exhaust myself. There you go. And I'm uh, probably a little bit more accountable, right? Yeah, there yeah. we go. That is a regular workout. Yeah. That it, counts. It works in that some counts. way. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm really intrigued um, because... Yeah, you you claim that you chose to be a PM yes. as a career, which is not something that I think I've heard anyone ever say. I think you're the first person I know, I've ever met to say that. I thought that so, was pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> so, how does someone choose to be a PM? How did that How did that happen? So, I graduated university um, and had no clue what I wanted to do. I had a Bachelor of Commerce um, in International Management and moved to Toronto, didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, and I ended up getting a job as a recruiter. So, worked mm. as a technical recruiter, and I was terrible at it, like, so bad. The people I worked with were so nice, but I was just not very good at that <laughs> job. Um, I, read your, I read your reviews. They said nice things about you, so don't yeah, worry. Yeah, it's all positive. <laughs> Why were you so bad? What was so bad about it? I struggled with the fact that there was nothing tangible at the end of the day. So I would come in at eight, leave at five. I would have tried to source people for all these different roles. Yeah. And there was an element of luck associated with the, that work. And I'm not a lucky person. Um, but also just the fact that like I'd work really hard. And then sometimes I would have nothing to show for it. Like my people wouldn't get picked for whatever reason. And I just... There was no nothing tangible to show for what I was doing at the end of the day. But one of the things that I was doing was recruiting for project management roles. So right. I was talking to these people, finding out what they did and what they enjoyed about their work. I started connecting the dots and going, no, that's like that's something that I'd be really good at that I enjoy. It kind of encompasses everything that 
I makes me happy in life and gives you a tangible output at the end of the day. Yeah. So I ended up yeah. leaving um, the recruitment company I was at and I went back to school at um, Sheridan College and I did a post-grad certificate in project management. So that gave me an eight-month crash course into everything that was um, project management, scope management, time, all that stuff, all the kind of the technical and theory um, behind it. And from there, it kind of gave me all the coursework I needed for my PMP. And then I got into um, an agency called Mosaic Sales Solutions. And that's where I got my first job working as a project coordinator. And it's I've kind of hit the ground running from there and never looked back. It's one of the most rewarding jobs, I think. I get to work with really intelligent people, help them succeed. And then I have something to show for the, the work that I'm putting in at the end of the day. Yeah. Now that's cool. So I'm I'm curious though. So you you studied kind of the hard skills. Was it hard and soft skills of project management in that in that kind of eight month course? Yeah, actually, I'd say that was one of the neatest things about that was there was the hard technical skills of like how to manage scope and time, cost, quality, all those areas in HR. But then there was yeah. also um, creativity courses and leadership and innovation courses. So that's where I got to have those lessons on how to lead a brainstorming um, meeting yeah. and how to get comfortable speaking in front of people. And it really helped me um, that and a couple other presentations were getting comfortable speaking in front of people and just learning how to read a room and work with different types of people. Um, so they did a lot of work on the soft skills as well to help you succeed, which I think was one of the, the neater aspects of that program because I got to do it full time for eight months. Awesome. So I'm also curious, like, there's not many people who at, at your stage of their career have worked both client side and agency side. And to you, I mean, obviously you're working yeah, agency now, side now, so you need to be careful what you say. But <laughs> what, um, you, you know, you're, what would you say the differences are as a digital PM? Um, and why, why have you ended up agency side rather than client side? Um, I think there's a lot of similarities that people don't always see. And then there's the differences. Um, one thing I would say about working client side is somehow you still feel like you're treated like an agency, at least um, where I was. It was, we were still the center of service for digital. So it was different business lines within the company reaching out to us and going, hey, we need this, this, and this, and us having to turn it around and act almost like an internal agency. But there is the mundaneness of always working on the same brand. Um, and that was one of the right. things that kind of drove me back agency side was just having the, the change of pace of all the different projects, all the different clients, their needs and their requirements. Um, I know it's a little chaotic for some people, but I enjoy the, the change of pace and keeping my brain going. Um, I think the best way to describe kind of project management in like a vague term is that it's kind of like waitressing. Um, you've got all <laughs> these different clients that you have to manage their expectations, like how quickly they're getting stuff, if things are going to be delayed, setting those expectations, getting the right requirements as you're going, and then also making sure that they pay the bill at the end of the day. So it's really juggling all of that. And it's something that I find rewarding and challenging, but in a good way is the, the jumping of different brands and different requirements, different people um, keeps things interesting. Yeah. So tell us what, what kind of projects do you are you working on right now? Um, so right now I'm really focused on kind of website redesigns, um, working with some nonprofit agent nonprofit clients as well as profit clients. And just uh, we redesign or we manage projects for both um, WordPress and another CMS called Kentico. Um, and then just managing kind of websites for clients. We've also got some SLAs that I support. Um, I've got about three or four clients and then all their sub projects underneath there. Cool. And now you, you're obviously qualified as a PM. You've done lots of different things. And I'm curious, 
you know, what, what did you find? What have you found most helpful? You've got your PMP, you've got your CSM, you've got this uh, certificate from Sheridan College as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of disdain among the <laughs> digital PM community um, for certifications. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm curious as to someone who's actually got some. I feel like lots of people say that who haven't actually got any. So well, I'm curious for, uh, for your perspective. What What's your point of view on you know PMP CSM well, project management certifications? Yeah. Though I did work as a recruiter, so this is where this all comes back into play. Is I know I understand the the necessity of keywords. Um, that was one of the main drivers behind getting my PMP. Mostly was it's a really easy factor for people just to discount you. Um, as you move on further in your career, that's less the case, but especially since I was just starting up, I wanted to make sure I had everything that I could to support myself. Um, the PMP is tough in the sense that it's really geared towards large scale projects like engineering and like it infrastructure. Um, so that's where I, I struggled mostly because I had to write the coursework that I did in my post-grad certificate that was really helpful for setting you up for the PMP. It gives you all the coursework you need, teaches you kind of by the book what you're supposed to supposed to know and how you're supposed to think. But the interesting thing about the PMP is they don't let you write it until you've got so many hours. I think it equals out to like two or three years of experience before you can write the exam. So you kind yeah. of undo all your like your thinking of you know how you're supposed to do it versus how you would now do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's a bit tough because there's a lot that's hard to relate to as a digital project manager when you're doing the PMP. But it does have some sound basis in terms of how to manage change, scope creep, budgets, like there's earned value reports are pretty helpful. I know we like to use Burndown now with um, agile projects, but a good earned value report is still very helpful for <laughs> showing where you're getting yeah. to. So I think that one, like it has value in, especially when you're just starting out, it doesn't hurt. If you've already got the project management experience, I don't think it's necessary, but it's definitely a really good starting point for someone who's just starting out in their project management career or thinking about it. Um, it's definitely a good way to get an understanding of what, what that looks like. Yeah. For the certified scrum master, I think that's a, that's a tough one because realistically that certification is just making sure you're human um, is the best way I can describe it. It was a two day course where we just worked on our soft skills and soft skills are really important. So I think there's, there's value in that, but it's one of the easiest exams I've ever written because it was only 30 questions. <laughs> and I think you can retake it three times. Yes. And I'm pretty if sure you, you can if... Google them too. So <laughs> <laughs> it's more just about learning the soft skills and the practice. Um, so that's where I think if you take any sort of leadership or um, facilitation course, you can kind of balance that out. But again, having the certifications helps differentiate you from other people if you are on the market for a job, like kind of trying to find a new position. And especially if you're moving outside your general network, if you're moving locations or just outside your close-knit network and you don't necessarily have the connections, it's really helpful just to separate you from everybody else is to have those those letters behind your name essentially yeah yeah no i think i i tend to agree like particularly on the on the certified scrum master which which i did Mm -hmm. and uh, i couldn't to me it seemed a bit like a kind of money-making thing (laughs) yeah where basically yeah you just have to turn up and you'll pass um where the where the pmp you do actually have to learn stuff and the confusing thing about doing pmp is that there's, they'll give you these multiple choice questions and <clears throat> they all sound like kind of reasonable things to be doing. <laughs> and it's just that there's a particular sequence that the PMP 
says that you yeah. should or Pinbox says, okay, do this, then do that, then do that. I mean, you'll do all of them eventually. It's just that they want you to say do it in a very particular order. Yeah, and, and then um, the, the best is the 25 fake questions that you don't know don't count. Like only – or there's 25 questions of the 200 that don't count because they're test questions that they're trying to see if they can add to te- exams in later years. And I had one on mine that um, – because it's an international organization, right? So they all get translated from other languages sometimes into English. Right. And there was one word that changed the entire meaning of this question. And there was no correct answers unless I changed that one <laughs> word. And then there was one correct answer. And I'm like, mm, I'm going to make this assumption and also hope that this isn't a real question. <laughs> Let's get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for the PSM, I just picked the one that was the least expensive and still included breakfast and lunch. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. I didn't get breakfast or lunch with mine, so you did well there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a thousand, for about a thousand dollars, did you pay about a thousand? Yeah, I think it was eleven hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, and breakfast and lunch, not yeah. bad. Yeah. So. I, I I searched around. I I had requirements. My requirements <laughs> were food. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So I'm. I always ask people. Um, you know, what have you found anything recently that's kind of making your PM life more awesome? Any tools or tech or what's getting you excited at the moment? Um, right now, we've actually been so internally at ECA, we are in the process of identifying new project management tool. So I wouldn't say I found one tool yet, but it, we're in the process of trying to identify a new PM tool. So I've been demoing all these things and trying to figure out what works best. What do I like? What don't I like? So that's taken a lot of my focus right now, but it's really interesting to see how different companies have created tools that kind of do the same thing, but slightly differently. Yeah. So, so what's in your shortlist right now? Um, I think the one we did demoed last week was 10,000 feet. Um, And then I can't remember what the next one is coming up. I'm really bad at name dropping tools for you, but I don't remember. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're looking more at the like resource management, time tracking yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. We've, okay. we've made the assumption or kind of come to the decision that I think everybody does is that from a ticketing and development perspective, there's no getting away from one system just for that. So we're sticking with Jira and then there's one, we're trying to find one system to kind of house everything else um, yeah. because right now our, project management like scheduling versus resourcing versus time tracking is all in different tools. So yeah. consolidating would be a very nice change for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's loads of good tools out there. Yeah. So, I expect so many you probably looked to at, from. Yeah. There's like resource guru, hub planner, float, all, yeah. all good options as well. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, let's move on to talk about your uh, article and mm-hmm. um, what, <laughs> I, I remember, I think probably my most scarring um, memory for me uh, was one time when I went on vacation and I thought I'd had a really good handover with my account manager. And I thought I'd given him what I thought were really, really clear handover notes. Um, and I felt good about it. Um, and he was like, don't worry, I've got this. Um, we, we were good friends. The, uh-huh. the guy's called Paul Finch. We're still good friends. <laughs> and uh, But somehow... When uh, when I came back from vacation, not only had the project not gone forwards, but it had actually gone backwards. And it had gone backwards more than three weeks. I, I think I'd gone away for three weeks. And the project had just kind of like gone back to project initiation. And oh, we were supposed wow. to be at the end of the project. So this will either make you feel good that your project handovers have never been that bad or scare you into never taking vacation <laughs> again. But I'm kind of, you know holiday season or vacation season is kind of upon us. Mm -hmm. Um, We're kind of going into Christmas 
And I think actually this is one of the trickiest times of year to do handovers because often there's no one really to hand it over to. Yeah. Everyone's going away. But let's pretend it's, you know, a normal situation where, you know, there's there's someone to hand over your projects to. You talk about in your in your post um doing a project handover and you you talk about using different templates. Um so I'm curious Talk us through these uh, different templates that you would use, because uh, I think the really important thing that we're trying to do as we're handing over a project is making sure, you know, the other person really understands like the current state and where we're trying to get to and, and kind of managing all the expectations and all the knowledge that we've got um, while we're away. But obviously we've got loads of information in our head. So talk us through how you manage that process of not giving someone too much information, but giving them just enough. So I think it really depends on kind of the organization that you work in. Um, I've had to do really, really detailed handovers where sometimes um, the handover has been more work than my vacation. Like it wasn't worth the vacation, (laughs) which isn't ideal. So I think it's all about figuring out that balance and, um, understanding how much knowledge the people already have. So yeah. I tend to know what's going on with other people, people's projects because we talk about them a lot as a PM team. And I think right. that's really helpful. And that's where sharing as a team regularly helps mitigate some of that risk, I guess, is the fact that I already know kind of just of like which projects are going well, which ones aren't um, about uh, for other teams. Um, so then when you're picking someone who has to cover for your project, you <laughs> pick someone who's, got more time or got some easier, less stressful projects on their plate if you can. Um, and it's also just helpful to have someone who's, who's kind of been in the thick of it or they've worked on the client before or something where they've already got some background knowledge. I think that's always yeah. really helpful when picking someone to, to cover. And then when it comes to the template, that's really dependent on your internal systems. I prefer higher level. Um, so I provided two templates uh, that you can access through the digital project manager Dot com And it's, um, there's one that's an Excel or like a Google sheet basically. And it goes, it's really good at showing a couple different projects at once, high level, what's going on, what the budget range is, what the status is, what phase you're in, what the key next deliverables are, and any other just notes that you need. I find that pretty helpful for especially maintenance projects or not overly intense projects. And also really helpful when you're not going for a long time, like three weeks, if you're just off for one week and it's <laughs> yeah. like... Hey, okay, Monday we've got status. By Wednesday they're going to expect this, and Friday please send an end of week update, and that's kind of all that needs to happen. Or and these are yeah. the things that they're expecting to get done. Um, and this is the budget you've got to work with for the week. When you've got a more detailed project that's um, or kind of cumbersome, and you're gone for a while, and they're going to need a lot more background information, there's a more detailed um, Google Doc version, um, and that's where I really get into who your point of contact is, what's the best way to reach them where all the files are for your project. I think that's one of the keys is for anybody to be able to find documentation or anything that they need on your project while you're gone. Um, Having it all in one place and organized is great, but you need to be able to find it too. Um, So having that information as well as like key information for how to communicate with the client. Maybe someone prefers phone calls versus emails or base camp threats. However, your best kind of plan of attack for dealing with the client or the project or a resource um, can all be documented there and in there as well. Um, again, I do say in my post, don't overwhelm people though, and don't give them your baggage. So that's also really important is just give them what they need to know, but give them as much detail as they need to succeed and 
write it in bullet points. Bullet points are easier. Don't write a story because nobody's going to read that. <laughs> so make yeah. sure everything's in bullet points and short sentences so that they can find it. They can find the information that they need, or if it's not all there, they can find it in the documents that they need elsewhere that's supporting in the wherever your project management documentation is stored. And I think one of the things is I've, I've actually recently um, been on the receiving end of a project handover. Um, and I think actually the process of the handover itself is quite important as well because it's, it's one thing to write the notes. And in you know our minds as the, as the person who's writing the handover notes, we're excited about going on vacation. Uh-huh. We probably haven't set aside enough time no. <laughs> to complete the handover notes. Um, so my kind of experience most recently was that, oh, we haven't really had enough time to talk about this properly. And now you're leaving. Um, so talk us through kind of your best practice process for one thing is creating some documentation and trying to write everything down. But it doesn't really stop there, does it? No. So... It's really important that you plan it in advance. I mean, it's not like you don't know you're going on vacation. I know they sneak up on us. For some reason, as project managers, we can plan a lot of things. But for some reason, us planning that we're going to be out of the office is like the scariest thing in the world. But plan it in advance. You know you're going to be out of the office in a month. Start talking about who's going to cover it. And when you do know who's covering, at least, I say at least a week out, if not more, if you can, have the initial onboarding meeting with them. Um, Bring them up to speed. And let the, have them CC'd on communications that go on after that. Invite them to status calls if they want. Um, just give them a chance to catch up or kind of see how the project flows before you're gone so that they can go, oh, hey, why did this happen? Or, oh, is this how you do this all the time? Or is this a special case? Um, is this something you need to worry about while you're on vacation? Anything like that that gives them a chance to kind of slowly onboard versus just, oh, hey, dropping this on your plate and leaving for a couple days and then I'll be back. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. that's one of the big things is a slow process, bringing them up to speed and being around for them to ask questions. Um, having an, like a project transition meeting the day before you leave on vacation isn't going to help anybody because they're not going to have time to absorb the information and figure out if they've got any questions. That's not going to come up within that half hour meeting. They may have some questions, but they're not going to have those ones that are going to be actually really difficult to answer until they have to think about it. So I think that's one of the big things. Um, again, another big step, like I said, up to, adding them to meetings early is great, but making sure that they've got access to um, the meetings while you're gone, not only like invited, but to host. I think that's one of the biggest misses, and I'm totally guilty of this too, is scheduling just having the weekly status call. But then all of a sudden it's not on their join me anymore, their Zoom meeting or Google yeah, Hangout, yeah. it's now on mine and they can't access it. So making sure that everything's updated for while you're gone and planning ahead um, is really, really important. Um, and yeah. I'm also a big proponent of telling my client I'm going on vacation and being honest yeah. about it. Um, I think that's big. Like, let them be prepared for it because worst case, they're going to go, oh, hey, you're not going to be in the office. We'll try and hold back on things or we won't have anything big come through. Then we'll yeah. overload you the week before you go away. But at least then the big difficult stuff will generally they'll try and work with you to make sure that it's a lighter load for everybody while you're not in the office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the, the worst, <laughs> the worst thing to do is a sneaky one where you're like, <gasps> I know the clients, I know the clients going to hate this. Um, so I'm not going to tell them or just hope they don't, <laughs> hope oh. they don't notice. And then as the person taking it over, they're like, the client's like, what what's going where's my pm and why don't you know anything i will never forget i was when i was client side um we were working with an agency 
and the PM just stopped answering my emails, but also didn't have an out of office. So I don't know if what <laughs> happened was the out of office got set up, but it was, you know how sometimes you can have like, it only set up for internal employees versus like for everybody. Right, yeah. I think that might've happened, but at some point it would have been like a week and I hadn't heard back. We were expecting a deliverable. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'll just email everybody else I've ever talked to at this company until someone gets back to me. I'm like, oh yeah, she's on vacation. I'm like, oh, that would have been nice to know. <laughs> Over communicate, share. Nobody's going to be mad yeah. at you for taking vacation. If you've got a good relationship with your client, they're going to be just as happy for you. Yeah. And I think, I think so much of this does come down to good communication, right? Because what we're talking about is as we're writing the handover notes, is that we're not just writing handover notes, uh, but there's, you know, the communication is the back and forth and making sure that the person we're handing over to understands what's being asked of them and, and what's expected. And I think that's where often things fall down. It's that we, you know, we, we think we've written some good handover notes and they make sense to us, but that's because we've got all this background knowledge and yep. we understand the bigger picture of what's going on. So making sure the other person understands is for me, the critical component of, um, you know, a project handover that actually works. Yeah. But, um, especially I, I, those, like communication points where it's like, okay, the client's going to expect an agenda on this day. The meeting notes have to be posted this way, like what, however your usual process is that you take for granted because you just do it all the time, sitting down and writing down, this is how I do things is really helpful for the person taking over for you, for sure. But I mean, be, if you're honest though, do you, do you actually work on vacation, Mackenzie? I have once had to get on a computer and forward a file, which was my own fault for not having access to something or not giving someone access. But otherwise, I'm pretty diligent. The one thing I will admit to doing, though, is I will just check. I'll scan my emails as they come through. More yeah. so just to make my life easier when I get back so nothing surprises me. But I don't answer emails. I'm pretty adamant that I'm away for a reason. Um, and I te also tend to make a point of like going out of country and out of Wi-Fi though, yeah. so I can't be contacted anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that is a, that is a good tip. I I would I would always yeah. say a great tip for when you're going on vacation is to say, yeah, um, I don't think there's in I don't think I'll have internet connection there. Yeah. And actually, in Canada, we can say that quite confidently. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and people, it's it's actually very believable that you yeah. could go somewhere and there'd be no signal and there'd be no Wi-Fi. Oh I mean, yeah. That's the great thing about Canada. There aren't many places still in the world where you can go where that would be, you know, fair game. No. But, uh, come to Canada if you want a vacation yeah. with no with no internet connection. Yeah, you go out to the East Coast and you'll just lose what, like, you'll lose access to even cellular data at some point. Like, it's great. <laughs> Yay, yeah. Canadian yeah. telecom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. And we, I think so much of this really, though, is about good project documentation as well right because mm -hmm. i think if we um yeah if, if you leave it and you said this you know plan for your vacation well in advance and part of that is beginning the documentation well in advance but if our documentation is all up to date and if we have you know if the our project timeline's up to date our budget tracker's up to date then uh, if the, you know the requirements are well defined if, if everything's there actually picking up a project from someone isn't that hard it's it's where things aren't very well defined and everything's in our head that actually things become much harder to uh to manage for someone while we're away and i think that's kind of been my my kind of i mean it's great that you're you know strong at saying hey i'm not going to reply to anything when i'm on vacation and my experience to be honest is that i tend to 
um, have a lot of information in my head. And so some, it's very hard for someone to pick it up. And then I'm just like, ah, oh. you, when you're kind of following the email thread and you're like, this person is really not understanding. I'm going to just step <laughs> in here or I'm going to have a disaster to clear up when I get back. But I think for me, the key is, you know, that really good project documentation to set you up um, and your team uh, up for success while you're away. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think it, it it impacts the team too, right? Nobody wants to be kind of held on the lurch. Um, I would say I have been in that situation where I've kind of I've handed off and it's been poor, or I've been handed off a project and I wasn't given enough information. I get to it more in my post about kind of more of a hellish story, if you will, about how it can go horribly, horribly wrong. But a few weeks ago, <laughs> I covered for a PM um, here who'd gone away for a month for her wedding and honeymoon and everything, and it was the client even said how seamless the transition was because I understood so well what their process was. I mean, it was pretty similar to another client that we have. So it was really easy to manage, but I was able to step in because I knew what those key touch points were. And even if I didn't have the necessary background on why some decisions were made, the team did and they were able to fill those gaps because I could reach out to them and they, Again, they knew their PM was going on vacation, so they knew they were going to have to fill some gaps. But it was a really seamless transition because I knew what those key... And it's really a lot about communication. You've said it already a few times, so have I. It's really about those key points of communication saying, this is when they're expecting these updates. This is how these decisions should get made and where all the information should go. Um, and it was a pretty seamless transition. So it, good transitions do happen. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this phone is it's a thing. It's real. It's not a unicorn. You can do it. Um, you just all have to work together. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Mackenzie, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great having you with us. Thanks so much. It's been wonderful. And if you'd like to go on vacation, well, write some good handover notes. Uh, but if you'd like to contribute to this conversation, if you've got any horror stories to share about <laughs> handovers, uh, maybe you're in the middle of one now, um, <laughs> comment on the post or head over to the resources section of the digitalprojectmanager.com to join our Slack team, where you'll find all kinds of interesting conversations going on there. But until next time, thanks for listening. 